not going to advance in this school if we keep forgetting what we've learned. Welcome to Right Start with Jim Custer, teaching pastor of Grace Polaris Church in Columbus, Ohio. It has seemed like class, this portion of the book of Hebrews, and we have the best kind of teacher, one who expects great things of us and holds us to a high standard. But when we stop aiming for the top grade and start coasting in our studies, we need a reminder of what that does to us. There are mental and spiritual consequences for slacking. We're in Hebrews chapter 5 with Pastor Jim. Now, why was it that Jesus the Messiah, why was it he was named to this incredible position of being a priest forever in a different system of worship called the Order of Melchizedek? Well, here's why. Verse 7, during his, that's Jesus, during his earthly life, he offered prayers and appeals with loud cries and tears. We just sang about that. He offered prayers, appeals, loud cries, and tears to the one who was able to save him from death. He was heard because of his reverence. What's that mean? That means that when Jesus was a man, although he never sinned, he experienced temptation. He experienced hunger. He experienced everything with the exception of sin that you and I experience. He knows human life from the inside out. And there was at least one moment in his life where that became excruciatingly painful. It was in the Garden of Gethsemane. And by the way, it was also outside the tomb just before Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. There also, the Bible tells us, Jesus was deeply, deeply, deeply grieved within his spirit. And it expressed itself in tears. Why did he do that? He knew he was going to raise Lazarus from the dead. Why did he do that? Because he felt the pain of Mary and Martha. He felt the burden of death. He knew the enemy death and could empathize with those folks who were going through that experience. And in the garden, he knew exactly what was ahead of him. He wasn't praying, Father, help me get out of here. I don't want to do it. He was saying, Father, your will, not mine, be done. And I know you have the power to deliver me from death. I know that. I know that. But I would rather die to obey your will and accomplish what pleases you than to not die and escape the pain. The cross was not a picnic. It was very painful. The separation was not a picnic. It was very painful. You could go on and on and on and on and on with the, the experiences Jesus had while he was here on the earth. So Jesus has been where you are tonight. The only exception is that he did not go there because of his own sin. He went there because sin permeates human experience. It says... He was heard because of his reference, though a son, that means though God, though he had this unique relationship of being God, one with the Father, he was in human flesh and had become totally man. Though he was son, he learned obedience through what he suffered. Jesus learned and experienced things as a man, 
that deity never experienced apart from his manhood. Let me say that again. Jesus learned the price of obedience. He learned the pain of obedience to the Father in a world that hated the Father and wanted nothing to do with him. He learned through that experience of being man, he learned what it is like to suffer. And through those sufferings, he learned some things about human life under the burden of sin, under the cancer of condemnation, under the curse. He learned some things through that suffering he had, which qualifies him to be our high priest. He's been there, he's done that, he's got the scars. That's the point. Verse 9 again, after he was perfected, after he was perfected. Now, perfected there doesn't mean made more moral, made more holy. It means made more complete. Jesus is God, the Son, in human flesh. In human flesh, he became totally man. As man, he experienced things that God the Father could only imagine. God the Spirit could only imagine. They never experienced those things. Jesus came and experienced them firsthand. Through the things that he suffered, he learned the price, the scope, the need of obedience to God. After he was perfected, he became the source of eternal salvation to all who obey him. And he was declared by God a high priest in the order of Melchizedek. Now, folks, uh, that's, that's high waiter territory. That's, that's, not, that's not elementary truth. The things we've been talking about here a border on the sheer mysteries of the infinity of God's holiness. They border on the limitations of God's personal experience, for he never sinned. They border on the ability Jesus had to, as a human, live a human life, and to live a human life among people who were cursed and fallen, to be tempted, all of those things. Jesus is unique. God the Father, God the Spirit did not have that. Jesus has that. And because of how he suffered, because he was always obedient to the Father, because he never sinned, he was able to be substitute for us and to offer himself, as we'll learn later, a couple chapters later, he was able to offer himself as the sacrifice for our sin to die in our place. And he did that. And as such, as our substitute, he became the source of eternal salvation to all who obey him. And one of the aspects of that eternal salvation, that eternal life he gives us, is pictured in what it means to be a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. And that word forever and that word eternal mean that he'll never have to repeat that. Once for all, accomplished forever. Now. The next verse launches us into fresh territory. Uh, some years ago, I was on a, on a preaching tour, and I had to go from 
Hagerstown, Maryland. I was visiting my parents in Martinsburg. I had to go from Hagerstown, Maryland, over the mountain, through the woods, by airplane down to Washington, Washington. And there were storms going through, and uh, the pilot told us when we got on Hagerstown, he said, uh, button up, this is going to be quite a ride. So we buttoned up, the other person and myself, there were six of us in the plane, counting the pilot, we buttoned up, and we got up about as high as we are going to go, and the plane, I mean, it's, it's inside a washing machine, it's, it's bad. And he, 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 he leaned over the seat, and took aside his mic and said, better tighten those belts, it's going to get worse before it gets better. And I how can it get worse? I, I don't think we turned upside down on that, but just about every other way. I tell you, I was very, very, very happy when those wheels touched the ground, when they touched the ground. Well, that's where we're going in these next few verses. Look what the writer says. Now, we have a great deal to say to you to teach about this matter of Jesus as high priest, a priest chosen by God, our mediator, and eternally eternally, forever, high priest on our behalf. He says, we have, we have a great deal to say about this, and he does, about four chapters worth. It's difficult to explain. You're going to have trouble. There's going to be turbulence. You're going to have trouble understanding this. But notice the next phrase. It's difficult to explain since you have become slow to understand. Ouch. The writer is saying to the readers, you're not going to get this. And I'm slowing down right now to warn you that it's going to be rougher than what we've already touched. Matter of fact, you're not going to comprehend it. Why? Because, because you, notice, have become. You've retrograded. He explains. For though by this time, that means... You were converted to Jesus Christ some time ago. So long ago that by this time in your experience of walking with the Lord Jesus, you ought to be teachers. You ought to understand basic elements of truth. You ought to be comfortable in biblical language. You ought to be comfortable with these things that the Scripture talks about so, so deeply. And based upon that, you should you should be able to share those things with other people. Instead of that, you have become slow to understand. By this time, you ought to be teachers, yet you need someone to teach you again. You need to go back to kindergarten. You, you, you should be graduating from high school. But you've retrograded. You have, you have stunted your growth. You have stunted your understanding. You've diminished in your maturity. You need to be taught, again, the basic principles of God's revelation. You need milk, not solid food. Milk, not solid food. Our second son was very ambitious when it came to food, and uh, his older brother was 16, uh, wow, how much, 14? Try seeing how much, old, how much older is Dan than Tim. 15 months. Okay, 15 months older. So, so Dan's at the place where he's, he's getting food from the table. Tim's younger. Tim decides he wants some of those peas. He don't want them mashed up, he just wants some of those. So he gave him some peas, gave him a half dozen peas. Two days later, through the diaper, 
same peas, great shape. <laughs> Not sure you would have wanted to eat them. What was the problem? His body had not developed the capacity to digest those peas. So they went in peas and came out peas and did him no good at all. That's the point here. Milk is for people who can't eat peas. They are so immature in their digestive system and their spiritual development, they can't handle peas. They can't handle food. They can't handle meat, which apparently is much more complex and more difficult to digest, doctor, is that right? Must be, or he chose a poor analogy here. Is that talking about you tonight? Is that talking about me? That we have robbed ourselves from the experience of growing mature in Christ, and we're still, we're not, we're not just stuck, we have retrograded back, 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 back. We've learned, not, we've forgotten what we originally knew. We've retrograded. We've gone back from, from a spiritual adult that's able to handle a good full-course meal with really, really complicated theological and biblical revelation. We, we, we can't handle that. We can't digest that. That doesn't interest us. We've retrograded back to where all we want is a glass of milk. And the writer says, you need milk not solid food. Now, everyone who lives, this is the definition, everyone who lives on milk is inexperienced with the message about righteousness because he is an infant. See it? These people have been saved for years, but instead of becoming graduates of high school and in college and on, they've retrograded back to infancy. They're spiritual babies. All they can handle is milk. How did this happen? It happened because of their choices. And that choice is the major theme of the book of Hebrews. It says that if you hear the truth of God's word and you refuse to obey it, you don't just stay neutral, you retrograde. You lose sensitivity. You lose maturity. You lose the ability to discern between good and evil. You become confused and bewildered. And things that when younger in your faith, you would have said, I shouldn't do that. I'm not going there. I'm not going to do that. Now you're saying, well, you know, everybody's doing it. And every, you know, can't be that bad. And after all, you know, I'm really not, I'm really not perfect. All that compromise stuff. And you even face decisions that a mature Christian can say, well, that's obviously the poorest choice. And you should be able to say, that's the mature choice. I shouldn't do that. But you don't have the ability to discern that. For you, it's all become milk toast, all become bland. No, friend, that's not normal. That's not spiritual maturity. You have refused to respond to the truth of God's word. Therefore, you have retrograded. You can't refuse to obey the truth and remain neutral. Can't, won't work. You're either growing or you're retrofitting. You're going back. You're either becoming mature. 
gaining capacities of discernment, insight, perception, habits of righteousness and holiness and godliness, or you're retrograding. You're going back, 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 back. And that's what was happening to the audience. Well, next week we'll show how the writer deals with that. Summarize tonight's message, Jim. Okay, be glad to do that. Here's the point. Right now, if you're a child of God, you've got a high priest, a great high priest at the very throne of God who loves you more than you love yourself. Who longs to care for you, who knows all about you, and begs you to come. Come, receive, come, ask, come. And from him will flow grace, mercy, strength, comfort. So come boldly. He's qualified. And his priesthood is of a whole different character than that of Aaron, rather it's ordered after the model of a man whose name is Melchizedek. But if you're gonna understand about Melchizedek, you gotta have some spiritual maturity, or it's gonna frustrate you. That doesn't mean don't come next week. <laughs> uh, I'll do my best to make it as milky as I can. And I'll also do my best to make it as meaty as possible. There'll be something at the table for all of us. But understand that the difference between meat and maturity and discernment, an infantile, milkish diet can sometimes be my fault. Your fault. The Word of God is sharp and powerful. It's dynamic. It's sharper than a two-edged sword. And when God speaks to you from His Word, speaks to you the truth, and you refuse to do it, you don't stay still. You move back a notch, back a notch, back a notch, back a notch. The audience to whom the writer of Hebrews writes had moved way back. So the author recognizes that to tell them things about the deep, wonderful mysteries of who Jesus is and why he is a priest and how that works and how you can have it and to have confidence in that and make that something that's dynamic and real to your life, to move that way will be tougher for those who are immature. Doesn't mean impossible. Thank God he's made a way. And Lord Jesus, all of us, um, all of us need to grow. All of us need to press on. All of us need to reach for uh, greater levels of maturity and godliness and wisdom. And we need to seek to be wise in the things of God. We need to tune our lives to things that are eternal, not things that are temporal. We need to learn what things are really important. 
what things really are godly and give you pleasure and are beneficial for us and what things will bring damage and destructive forces and make us susceptible to great pain. We need to discern the truth. And you want that for us. Oh, how you want that for us. So I pray that as we continue to look at Hebrews, that you'll open its message to our hearts and open our hearts to that message and help us to grow. Father, thank you for each person here and for those who will hear the message through other circumstances. I pray that you would speak into their hearts by your spirit. Help them to hear your gentle voice saying to them, come unto me, come unto me, learn of me, take my yoke upon you, learn. I will help you become mature, gracious. I will refashion you and make you like Jesus himself. I won't quit ever, and I won't stop till that has been accomplished in your experience. All of us, Father, know we do things that are wrong, all of us. Help us not to seek excuses to explain why we did or didn't. Help us instead to be honest with you and with your word. Confess our sins knowing that you will forgive and cleanse and then take on the challenge of walking in righteousness and godliness, growing in maturity and discernment, becoming mature folks who are able to share with others the wonderful things you reveal to us in your word. Thank you for our time together tonight. Thank you for the season of the year we're about to enter with all of its uh, memories of Golgotha and Gethsemane, an empty tomb of risen Savior, a soon coming back Jesus to finish the work he started in his first visit to our earth 2,000 years ago. Fill our hearts with those things. Now take us safely to our homes, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Concerning him we have much to say, and it is hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. Most translations give us something like that for Hebrews 5.11. The NIV reads, because you no longer try to understand. Ouch. After this stern lecture from the teacher, the lesson will continue with some graduate-level insights. Today, Jim concluded his sermon entitled, About Priestly Things. You can have the whole message on CD for a gift of $7 or more. It's part of a series called God's Ultimatum, Volume 1. For a gift of $66 or more, you can have all 19 lessons on disc. It would be great to hear from you. And if you can share a financial gift to help sustain the ministry, please do that. Listener donations are the only means of support we have, humanly speaking. And your prayers sustain us in a different way. Thanks for your partnership in the gospel. To get involved, you can mail us at Right Start, P.O. Box 437, Worthington, Ohio, 43085, USA. Or call 1-800-984-2313. That's 800-984-2313. 
and find us on the internet at rightstartradio.org. There you can listen to entire sermons or the radio shows online, and you can download the sermons for free. Don't overlook the podcast option on the Apple Podcast platform. That will keep you connected to Right Start through all this holiday merriment that's coming up. You can donate online too at rightstartradio.org. I'm Dan Pope. Thanks for listening. What about Christians who fall away? That's a tough topic, but we'll address it tomorrow as we celebrate Thanksgiving in the U.S. Please don't forget to join us for the next Right Start. Right Start.